It is a great joy for me to be here with you all. Um, it's the first time I'm in this building. The previous time we were at Five Points joining you guys, and then I was supposed to join you, I think, like two years ago, and then my flight got canceled because of COVID, and I couldn't come, and it was a, it was a mess. But uh, I'm glad to be here with you. Know that we pray for you often, and uh, we love you as a church, and we thank you for all your prayer and support for us. Uh, we appreciate that. But I'm here to share God's Word with you, and uh, I'll appreciate you opening up at 1 Peter 3. We're going to look at verses 8 to 12. And let me invite you to stand up as I read the passage for us. Peter writes, he says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to, those, uh, for, to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let us pray. Our God, it is a privilege to read and hear and experience your word today, on your day. Lord, help us now to, to turn our ears into eyes that when we hear the wonderful good news that we would see Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us now to understand your word and then to apply your word to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an old story about a, a man. It's an old man. He was, he was ill and he was on, on, in his bed, busy dying. He had four sons, and the sons were always fighting, just could not agree on anything. And the dad got kind of tired of this. He was busy dying, and he knew he needed to help his sons be united, have brotherly love and affection to one another. So he thought of this plan. He called the sons in, and he gave the sons a, a bunch of twigs tied together all in one unit. And the dad said to the older son, son, here you go. Try and break this. And the older son was like, he just couldn't break it. And the second son came and pushed his brother around and was like, let me try. And, and he tried, and he just couldn't do it. The third son pushed his, the second brother aside, and he tried. And he just couldn't do it. And the fourth son, the youngest, obviously, he came up and he pushed him aside and said, ha, ha, let me show you, let me teach you. And he pulled one twig out and broke it. One twig after another, and he broke the twigs. And the dad got a smile on his face and he says, that's exactly what I want to teach you, brothers. When you stand together, it's not easy to break you. But as soon as you are individual, the world will break you. 
And we see this encouragement in our text today where, where Peter is writing to the church and says, brothers, sisters, be united. Stand together because the world out there is dangerous and it wants to infiltrate and break your faith. Church, unity is the source of strength during difficult times or during trials. I want us to look at three reasons for unity in the faith of this faith community. And the first one is the preparation for unity in suffering. There's always preparation. And Peter starts off this section by saying, finally, finally. Now, this is not the end of the book, so it's not his final words, but it is a, a end, the end of a section in this book. And this section started in uh, chapter 2, verse 13, where he was writing to the church and saying that your mutual submission in the body would look like this when it comes to the governing authority, the government. This is how you should submit to the government. Then he went further and he said, by mutual submission, this is how you would submit to a boss, a dragon of a boss, as a faith community. And then just before our section, he wrote to, to wives to submit to bulldogs of husbands. He says, this is how you submit. And through this submission through the, with the government, or to a boss, or to a spouse, through this submission, you show them Christ. Hence, now, finally, Peter now is starting this section in saying, the mutual submission within the church will help you to submit to these three categories, the government, the boss, and the spouse. This is where the unity needs to be, to be for you to be strengthened to, to enable you to submit in these other spheres of life. Mutual submission breeds unity. The way to have unity is through brotherly and sisterly love. In other words, what Paul is, uh, Peter, sorry, Paul, Peter, what he's saying is that you need to have unity where? Through sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That's what this love within the church should look like. This unity does not mean uniformity. It does not mean that we need to agree on all the things. We need to agree on 100% on the truths of faith. There's a virgin birth. We are saved by faith, uh, through faith. By, sorry. We are saved by faith. Through, uh, saved by grace through faith in Christ. All those things we need to agree 100%. But whether we have drums or no drums, whether we sing hymns or modern day hymns, whether we have donuts with our coffee or just coffee, eh, we don't have to agree on everything that is church. Sure, the foundation of the Christian faith, that is 100%. We need to be united on that. And that is what Peter means. We need to have unity in our faith. Peter argues that through mutual submission, there is unity. If we don't submit to one another, we will not have unity. Why does 
Peter focus on mutual submission for unity? Well, it's biblical. If you look at John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, he prays. He says, may all of them, talking about the disciples, be like us. You and I. Father, we are one, Jesus prays. Let them be one like we are one. Jesus submitted to the Father by coming to earth to serve. There was a like-mindedness. In Acts 4.32, the church there had everything in common. Your money was my money. My money was your money. You could come to my house and, and raid my kitchen. Mine is yours. Everything is in common. We read in Romans 12, verse 4 and verse 16, where everyone is one body, one life, one, one mind. Why? To live in harmony. We are called to submit to one another for unity. And I belabor this point because this is one of the ways to get through difficult times, through suffering. Back in those days, people were persecuted. You're a Christian? Get out. You're fired. The government were oppressing people, the Roman government. They were going through hard times. And Peter is writing saying, guys, it's tough out there. Don't make it tough in here. We need to stand together because this is where the strength is. This is how we are building one another up to go outside and be like Christ. Family, can I ask you? How are you doing with regards to unity? Are you pursuing that? Now, you might throw the question back like, Tommy, how can we all, a bunch of sinners, how can we do this? I'm glad you asked. Because there's only one reason. It's Jesus. That's the only reason why we can be united. That is why we partake in the Lord's Supper. It's because of Jesus it says in 1 Corinthians 10 that there's one bread. And if you are part of that one bread who is Jesus, you are part of him. Because we're part of Jesus and his body, we are part of this body. That is why we partake in remembrance of Jesus. It's because of him that we are part of one body. If we are not treating the body, the church as Jesus' body, there will be a problem. Unity will be, you won't see unity. But as soon as you change your mind in thinking, I am with Jesus, he or she is with Jesus, that means I'm with them. I need to build in that relationship as I build in this relationship. Now, how do we focus on mutual submission for unity? And let's work through the list that Peter gave, gave us. Sympathy. Feel what the other person feels. Caring for someone else's joy, not your own. Care for someone else's sorrow. Instead of saying, oh, you, need, you need to look at me and I, I'm, I'm hurting as well. Rather, look to someone else's sorrow. Rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Love. Love the person as Christ loves you. I don't know about you. I can be a dog sometimes. I'm sinful. 
But if I can see someone else and saying, you know what, they treated me like trash. You know what, but I did that to that person yesterday. I didn't react well to my wife yesterday. I'm just the biggest sinner as they are. I'll take the initiative to repair relationships. I need to be careful in harming my brother and sister with my tongue. What do I talk about? Who do I talk about? And in what way? It's being loyal to your fellow brothers and sisters. Outdoing them in all things in showing them honor. Romans 12.10. My dad always warned me uh, before I got married. He said, Tommy, you were born in this family. You could not choose us. Uh, God, God placed you here. But you can choose your in-laws. Mm. And I made a wise choice. I married my beautiful wife. And I love her family. And they love me. <laughs> Not as much, but anyway. Family, God chose you before the foundation of the earth. He knew that you would be in this church. You did not choose these people to serve God with. He placed you here. This is your family. Take care of one another. Tender, compassion. It's like a good juicy steak. In South Africa, we love our meat, and it needs to be prepared well. But everybody loves a juicy, tender steak. Now, equal that to a person, I love tender people, right? Wow, they're friendly. Be soft to one another in speech, forgiving one another. Think the best of one another. Humble. Consider someone more important than yourself. Look at God and see who you are in Him. How about being part of the body? If you're going to cut this pinky off, it's not part of the body anymore. It's going to die. The body will survive. But you need to be part of the body. We cannot submit to one another and pr promote unity if we are not with the body. Spend time with the body. Pray with and for the body. Give to the body. It's hard to submit and build in unity if you are separated from the body. And then lastly, if you know of anything that threatens the unity of this body, speak up. Go to that person. Help them. Bring them in. Get them plugged in. And that, if, if that's you, do the same. Come to the body. Meet with the body. Anyone in the corporate world will know that it's a dog-eat-dog dog, dog, dog world out there. It's me, myself, and I, right? I call it the unholy trinity. It's me, myself, and I. Well, Peter says, uh, no. It's him, her, and all of you. Not here, it's there. Our reaction to relationships is a, is a life of self-giving, not taking. It's contributors, not consumers. When you think of your home, hopefully you think of a loving, warm environment 
When I get home, I love getting home because my kids run up to me and they give me a big hug and I'm like, oh, daddy, 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 come play, come do this. Come. I'm like, oh, I'm home, right? This is what the church should be. When you had a horrible week, Monday to Saturday, this is the place where you need to come and feel, wow, wow. Let's hug one another. Let's greet one another with a holy kiss. Let's pray for one another. How was your week? How can I pray for you? This should be like your house, warm, tender, loving. I belabor the point of unity because Peter goes further in giving them another reason for unity and why unity is important. Verse 9a, the power of unity. Verse 9, Peter draws our attention back to what he said in chapter 2, verse 9. Let me read that. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, with God's, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God chose us to be his people for a purpose. There's a, a job. He is urging the church to be united, so build unity, to be strengthened with mutual submission so that we can do a job. You are strengthened to not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but rather to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. Jesus called us from darkness into light. Slavery, freedom, death, life, for a reason. It's to build unity, planted you into this family, so that you can pro proclaim the wonderful excellencies of Christ. Peter says in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, flesh which wage war against your soul. Fight the sin. Because sin breeds disunity. It cuts you away. Away from God. And if you've been cut away from God, it's going to cut you away from his body. Don't let sin enter this realm, this beautiful body of Christ. We would abstain from the passions of the flesh. Our natural tendency is, is to go towards the flesh. Oh, that's nice. No, it's going to break the church. It's going to break my relationship. I need to flee. I don't need to revile. If someone spits you in, the, in your face because you proclaim Christ, do you know what? He's actually offending Christ, not you. Back off. Peter is urging the believers to show the ones doing the evil, the government, the boss, the spouse that's unsaved, He's saying, show Christ to those people by not reviling, by not going back and trying to punch them on the nose. Peter urges, and he argues that we should not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling when people are doing this. I had a boss, I was into project management and architecture before I went into full-time ministry, and I had a boss, I was managing a building, and he would literally block the drains and tell me to go clean it up because he knew I was a Christian. He would once a day come and curse God in my face. 
how can your God do this? He would change the locks of the building that I can't get access to places, and then he'll blame me for it. And I saw this, and oh man, I wanted to do some ungodly things to him. But the Lord graciously came over and said, hey, take it to your friends, take it to your care group. And I did. And they prayed for me and prayed for me not to revile, not to get back at this guy. And it worked. The Lord gave me grace. I did not revile. Unfortunately, he did not get saved, but the Lord rescued me from that situation. And that's what Peter is saying. Take it to the church. That's where your unity is. That's where your strength lies, in Christ and in his body. Lean on that because it's difficult out there. Suffering is real. The world is real. But now Peter goes further. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, okay, just back off. Don't punch the guy in the face. You should bless him. And all the people of God says, amen. He says, don't revile when reviled. Don't pay back. But don't just stop there. Bless. Pray for that person. Encourage him. Help them. That's what Peter says. And if you don't believe me, believe Jesus. In Matthew 5, 11, it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. That's tough. For your reward is great where? In heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Brother, sister, this is what is happening right today on the Lord's day. You are being strengthened. This body needs to be united so that we can do this, so we can rejoice in suffering because it's hard. It's not easy. And that is why we need one another. That is why unity is so important because if this is broken up, and disjointed without unity, where are you going to get your strength? Walking through those doors and, oh, I just need to avoid that person. Let me just go sit here. No. No, we need to be together. Because this is where we get the strength to do this. A great example of this is Acts 16, where Paul and Silas are locked up in Philippi. Not with your normal great, um, what do you call it, the the spine-aligned mattresses. No. They were hungry. They were beaten up. It was wet. It was stinky. It was, it was horrible. Rats infesting them. It's just horrible. And what did they do? Oh, Mr. Jailer, if I get my hands on you. Oh. No. Acts 16 says, what did they do? They were singing and praying. I can just imagine that maybe Paul was or Silas was like, and then the other one, hey, bro, just just calm down. God's got this. It's, It's for his sake that we're sitting here. Let's sing. 
What's that song you like again? What's that scripture verse he taught me yesterday? Let's do this together. And what happened? The doors flung open. God delivered them. And then the jailer said, oh no, I need to kill myself. The prisoners fled. No, 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 we're still here. We're still here. And what happened? He got saved. And his whole household got baptized. And the church started in Philippi. Can you see, brothers and sisters, this is the power of unity. When this unity grows strong, we are stronger, we are more confident in the gospel, and when the boss spits in your face or the, the person at, at uh, university or school just wants to get in you because you're a Christian and, and you stand back confidently in Jesus and you share with him the gospel, people get saved. That's the power in unity. Unity with Christ and unity in the body. This is where we find ourselves as we grow as believers. Believer, we have been called by God to bless others. Bless them with the gospel. That's the greatest need of anyone. If you are not saved, that is your greatest need. There is only true freedom, true fulfillment, true identity in Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. Let us bless rather than repay. And we saw that the relationship in the church is the first and biggest priority so that we can be strengthened to endure tough relationships out there in the world. Peter goes into the last reason for unity. Verses 9b to 12, the prize of unity in suffering. So we saw the the preparation for unity. It starts right here in the body. We saw the power of unity, that from unity, the, the preparation here that builds out, that God uses us for Him to save people. But there's a prize. Mutual submission does not come naturally. I don't know about you, but my family is some blow-ups sometimes. Oh, you took this from me and uh, all those kind of things, right? That's maybe just me and I'm being very transparent. But it doesn't come naturally. Sometimes even in the church, oh, they're sitting in my seat again. Ooh, <laughs> that's in all the churches. Or, how dare you not reply to my message? It doesn't come naturally. And then immediately you want to react towards that. Oh, no, 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 no. Unity. Hang on a second. What did Jesus do? He came to serve. We need to forgive. And that's why it takes suffering to pursue it. It's not easy. Same goes for not returning evil for evil. But this is our calling as believers. We need to fight our natural flesh. That's the natural reaction. As believers, we need to do the contrary. Hang on a second. Let's think about this. We are called to do this for a prize. Peter quotes from Psalm 34, and I'll encourage you to go read it this afternoon. It's a beautiful psalm, specifically from verse 12 to 16. And this psalm, uh, David reminds the believers that the fear of the Lord is to be obedient. God is a holy God. He's a powerful God. 
I mean, he spoke everything into existence. Wow. We need to fear him. But it's a, a respectful fear. It's not a cowering, hiding away like Adam and Eve kind of fear. No, it's, wow, what can I do for you, my Lord? I'm going to serve you because you're holy. I'm going to die to self because I want to protect the unity in this body. And this is what David says. There is all kinds of trouble out there against us as a nation. We need to protect the unity, and the fear of the Lord is one of them. <coughs> we need to be obedient to his instructions. We need to help one another and remind one another. And because of this, the Lord hears the cries of his people, and he will deliver them from the evildoers. It's there. It's a promise. It's a wonderful prize. If you think again, I was like, oh, I'm going to punch this guy. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I need to pursue unity. That's, yep, the, the Lord's going to restore me on Sunday. He's going to help me restore my wounds. I need to actually bless this guy. His biggest need is he, he didn't insult me. I know he spat in my face, but you know what? I want to bless you because next time you want to spit me in the face, I want you to be saved. I, I want to, I'm going to love you into the kingdom of God. And your reaction will make him think, whoa, hang on a second. I just spat in the, his face or her face. Why aren't you reacting? I'm glad you asked. Do you know why? I really wanted to punch you in the face, but because of Jesus, I know I shouldn't, because he saved me. And before I was saved, I would have punched you in the nose. But now, can I share with you the wonderful good news of Jesus? He, he made me alive. He gave me a new heart. Nothing of what I did made him think and feel sorry for me, but he chose me. What a wonderful privilege. I couldn't do anything to be saved, but he saved me. He lived a perfect life. He, he died a perfect death, and he conquered the grave, the eternal death, for my sake. Don't you want part of this? Don't you want to be self-controlled and actually love people instead of spitting in their face? And who knows? He might spit you again. Or he might say, tell me more. Tell me more. Brother, sister, I've only seen a few people come to faith in my life. But those that I have seen, man, there's no better feeling. That is a prize. To see someone come to faith, that's a wonderful experience. To know that they're right with God. To know that they're soft. God turned them. That's a wonderful theme with Psalm 1 and uh, the Psalm uh, uh, 34 and 1 Peter. To say, fear the Lord because he wants you to do a job. He's got your back. He hears your prayers. And the suffering of God's people, their ultimate deliverance is coming. But live godly lives and give evidence about God. Verse 10, the, the good days Peter refers to is, is the ultimate salvation. It's coming. And what a wonderful prize to know. You know what? I'm suffering. It is 
not going well with me. But Lord, when you come again, oh, what a wonderful prize to know that I will be in your presence. You are preparing a mansion and the banquet. I don't know if you've noticed that I love food, but the banquet. We're going to be in his presence. No more aching knees. No more sore shoulders. No more, no more anger. No more fighting off sin. We'll all be free of that because of Jesus. And he says, focus on that, those good days. But can you see that, yes, there'll be good days to come when he returns? But if your mindset is on those days, even today can be a good day. Get up and rejoice. Man, it was good to get up and see the wonderful snow out there. Rejoicing. We don't have snow, by the way. It's wonderful. Rejoice. I can be, I can be with people that has the same heart. I love you guys because we serve the same Savior. And I can worship with you guys today. I'm not cut off from the body. I'm with the body. That's the prize that Peter is reminding them of. If you go through suffering, you're part of a church. You're part of a body. That's the prize. Pursue good. Don't let sin enter that goodness. Because that's going to destroy this wonderful prize of, wow, the good days. You will see good days. The, the face and the ears of the Lord is on you and open to your prayers. Praise the Lord for that. When you close your eyes and you pray alone or, or with someone, you can rejoice, and this is the prize, that the Lord hears your prayers. It's not bouncing off the ceiling, even though sometimes it feels that way. But He knows you. You're his child. Because you're in him, united in Christ and with his body, he hears your prayers. It's open. His face, face is smiling on you. And it's wonderful to read verse 12 with Psalm 34 as the background. Now, then the Lord will deliver his people. So now track with me with verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now, verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. You see, the Lord delivers us because we are righteous. And we are not righteous through our own works. We can't do anything to be righteous, but we are righteous in Christ Jesus. And through that, we can. The prize is that because of Jesus, we have His Holy Spirit, and we can actually be strong enough not to revile when we are reviled, not to pay back. We are strong enough in Christ Jesus to actually do this. We can be doing this as people of God. It's because Jesus, He's the righteous one, that we can fight these things. I don't know about you, but my mouth 
has brought me into a lot of trouble in the past, especially with my wife. Saying something, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. That's not going to be good. Or with my kids, saying something, oh, I just broke him down. And then you feel bad. Or in the church, you know, you see what, <laughs> and then they're actually standing right behind you. Ooh, that's embarrassing. It gets you into trouble. But here, it says the prize is you have the Holy Spirit to fight those urges to just blurt out or to just gossip a little bit. We have the prize of the Holy Spirit. We can contain that and fight our sin. That is the prize that Peter is saying. Go for unity. Don't gossip. Don't pile into one another. Because this we need to protect. Why? so that we can have the power to go out there and not repay or revile. And the Lord will deliver us from all of those things. That's a, a massive prize. That's a wonderful gift. Because of our salvation, because we're in Christ Jesus, we have a body, but we also have the ability to fight these things and breed harmony. I don't know about you, but peace is kind of nice, right? Just having harmony and peace here and when you're out there in yourself. Peter is saying that when you guard the unity in the church, when you win evildoers for him in this lifetime, when you pursue good, when you turn away from evil, when you seek peace and pursue it, there is a prize. You will see good days. The face and the ears of the Lord is on you and open to your prayers. So breed unity. And we all know that it's only possible because, possible because of what we've seen. Read chapter 2 verse 23 to 25 with me. It says, and he's talking about Jesus. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins, praise the Lord for that, in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What a glorious thought, brother and sister. That our salvation, that our righteousness is not in our own hands. Otherwise, I'll, I'll just drop mine. I'm sinful. No, no, no. It's in the hands of Jesus. Those hands that bore the nails on the cross. It's in Him. We can't lose it. He gave us salvation. It's a wonderful thought to know that, Lord, you've got my back. I'm going to do my best to create unity in the church so that we can be strengthened, so that we have the power to convince the world of the good news of the gospel. And your ears are open. Brothers, sisters, if you have family that are not saved, pray for them. 
pray for them. My mom prayed for years for my salvation, and I turned. The Lord grabbed me, and He pulled me back to Himself. There's power in prayer. And now it says the Lord's ears and face is open to our prayers. That's a glorious prize. If you are the person that can say that the Father called you to be part of His family, you know that Jesus died and conquered death on your behalf, and all your faith is in Him because you know you are dead and can't do anything of this, you can take comfort for the unity, to have the power in suffering, for the blessing of being right with God, knowing when you die you will be with Him in paradise. Remember that. But for the person that are, that, that's sitting here and does not know this glorious news of the gospel, there's a chance. Make right with God right now to have this peace, to have this comfort, to have a body, a family. That's something to think about. But think about this. If you are not in Christ, it says in verse 12, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God is against you, and that is fearful. I fear for your life. Turn to Christ. That's the only hope. Family, so as we heard the story of the the father that taught his sons to stand together, let us hear from Peter. Let us stand together for Christ and with Christ in this church so that we can be strengthened against the world that wants to hurt and do damage to us and who needs Jesus. Family, can I urge you to fight the temptation of the flesh in driving division in this beautiful body. Let us work and stand together for God's glory and for strength to suffer well in this world until we receive the ultimate prize when God calls us home. Let us pray. Oh God, what a wonderful privilege it is to hear truth. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to build unity. Help us to fight the flesh of trying to cause disunity. I pray that you would give us the power and help us to think through this so that we can bless the world in sharing the good news of Jesus. And help us to focus on the ultimate prize when you come again, and help that to motivate us in holy living for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.